Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, it's a great opportunity to share. I think, I think, you know, in the West we've put so much emphasis on presence, but really we've put too much. We've become materialistic, and what we have the opportunity to here is just to share the ultimate present gift of eternal life, just love of God for us, and. If, if people can just go away grasping that they have been given this incredible present and all they have to do is unwrap it, just to get to know Jesus, that would be huge success in my eyes. So, yeah, in a sense, the gifts and the presents represent a lot. In the West, we've kind of lost a little bit of the deeper underlying meaning. Um, but yeah, it's all about... Pointing them to Jesus and just saying, yeah, do you guys know that this is the best news ever? This is the best gift you will ever receive. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. I'm the Ministry Director for Faith in Kids. I'm joined by my colleague, Amy. Amy, how are you doing? Hello, Ed. I'm good, thank you. Uh, it's the it's towards the end of December. I am already dreaming of days on my own, in my home with no one in it, and a clean mop. That's where we're at in December right now. Perfect. Amy, very good. This podcast is due to drop between Christmas and New Year. So by the time this drops, you no longer know what day of the week it is. You've read your magazine newspaper of choice front to back and you've uh, watched too much television, eaten too much chocolate and we're here to offer you joy, love and happiness. We're all longing for an empty home. Uh, Amy, I'm not sure, no, sorry, I'm not no. sure everyone is, but it's good that you're so clear. Oh, I just want, I want, I want kids out the house in a clean mop. That's what okay. I want at this stage of December. I'm sorry. Uh, let's say hello. We have four groups of us here. So I'm joined, first of all, by Helen and Ken. Helen and Ken, it's great to have you here. Could you just tell us a bit about yourself? Where are you? How are you? Who do you have living in your home with you? How's it going? So we live in the north of England. In our house, there's us two, there's our kids, who are um, four and six, and we also have two cats, who get up to all sorts of 
And yeah, we used to live in the Indian subcontinent, so we've been back for a couple of years. But yeah, so that's us. Ken, can you tell us a bit about what took you to the Indian subcontinent and what you got up to there? There's a bit of a secret squirrel happening that you can't reveal everything because it's a bit like being a spy. <laughs> but but what can you reveal, Ken, about your time on the subcontinent? No, our time in our time in uh, the Indian subcontinent, we were definitely not spies. Although um, I once was asked by by a friend in the UK if we were spies because apparently I was quite secretive about it. But yeah, nothing too secretive. We went to the Indian sub- subconscious because we we liked the culture there, we, we liked the, the people, we liked the food especially, and we just wanted to try something different in life. It was a chance to, yeah, experience different culture and be a part of that and, yeah, just, just learn something from the people that were there and try to share a bit of ourselves with the people around us. Thanks, Ken. We're also joined by Andy and Joe. Joe, do you just want to start by telling us where are you, how are you, all those same questions. Excellent. We are Joe and Andy, and we're living in Kazakhstan at the moment. We have two girls, an 11-year-old and a nearly 13-year-old, so we're about to enter the teenage years, pray for us. And we have a cat and two German shepherds. We've been here for 15 years now. Yeah, it's fantastic here. We love it. <laughs> Andy and Joe, you live with your kids in Kazakhstan? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Great. And um, Ken and Helen, you had children when you were in there? Your children were with you? So when we when we first went out, our children weren't with us because we didn't have any okay. children. Um, but our, our two kids were born to us. They were, they were born while we're living in the Indian subcontinent. Helen, can you just tell us a bit about um, where you were? Did Christmas happen? Did Christmas happen amongst Christians? It did. It did. Like It was a lot more like low key than it is here. Yeah, it did happen. It did happen. I think it was a lot less commercial than it is here. Like where where we lived, there was a a lot of different festivals happening all the time. So it was kind of like one of a myriad, which seemed to happen kind of pretty much daily. Yeah. So actually, I think it was in terms of our Christian friends and the church. You know, it felt like it was a lot more centered on you know the church family, and you know everyone kind of went to church on Christmas Day and would pretty much spend the whole day there you know they'd have like it was it was less about kind of the nuclear family and much more about the church family and spending that time together and having a massive meal afterwards which was always amazing after a fairly epic kind of church service slash kind of several segmented performance which was always a little bit tricky when you had like toddlers but um (laughs) but yeah it was very it felt very different much more orientated around the church rather than kind of everybody doing their own thing in their own home. So Helen, was it a church lunch that didn't feature sausage rolls and quiche? No, it didn't. <laughs> Tell me about that, what a church lunch is like on Christmas Day that's 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 maybe a little bit more appetising. Curry and lots of it. <laughs> yeah. Nice, proper hot food. And you stay all day, everyone all together. Proper hot food and the and the tea wasn't weak. It's amazing, I love it. Yeah. So def- definitely not your typical uh, church church tea that... Needs a couple more tea bags in it. <laughs> yeah, so you'd have kind of like two to three hours. I think it was like a two, two and a half hour kind of church service. And then probably an hour or long lunch. And then you'd go back to somebody's house and have some more food. So it's fairly epic on the food front. Wow. Andy, Joe, what's what's Christmas like in Kazakhstan? I guess what's Christmas like in Kazakhstan as a whole, but also like in in church as as christians as part of a church yeah christmas here is it's quite strange for us in a sense because of the context where we live so 
it's predominantly a Muslim country, and so Christmas is a typical working day here. The buses will be running, the shops will be open. So it's quite quite different because of just the surrounding, the build-up, the what other people are doing. So for us, I mean, typically it's go to a church service in the morning and then we'll come home and as a family spend time together celebrating. And yeah, it's really a good time as a family. We get to sp- spend a lot of time together just enjoying Christmas and the real meaning, I guess, behind Christmas. Not sort of hindered by all the materialism and things that are going on around us, mm. yeah, which is great. Yeah. So what's what's church like in Kazakhstan on Christmas Day? So like for me, you go to church in your Christmas jumper or your slightly nicer clothes. You take a gift that Santa bought you to play with during the service. We sing Joy to the World. We have a mince pie and we come home. Is it the same in Kazakhstan or is is there is it is it slightly different? Well, for starters, Christmas Day isn't the time when people go to church. It's the Sunday nearest to Christmas Day because all the Christians will be working on Christmas Day. So the December the 25th isn't the time for the Christmas celebration. It's whatever Sunday is closest to December the 25th. So this year we're fine. Yeah, yeah, it's a win. It's a win. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> Generally at Christmas, the, the children get lots of presents um, from from the church as a whole. They'll be looking after those who are poorer. And it it's more like a normal service than our Christmas services would be. So there's no kind of come and stand up the front and show what presents you got. There's, there's no... Um, <laughs> the, the carols are new ones that people have just just invented as it were the for the first 10 years or so that we were here there weren't any kazakh carols we met one lady who'd written one once so the the songs are not different markedly from from a normal christian service from a normal sunday service mm-hmm. so it's not very different from just an ordinary service other than the kids get presents maybe there'll be food extra maybe there'll be uh, more lights and this kind of thing yeah it's for a lot of the Kazakhs here, it's quite a new thing to celebrate Christmas. Of course, we've grown up with it every year, expectantly as a kid, looking for presents and getting excited. But hearing the Christmas story over and over again, for Kazakhs, for many of them, it's the first time they're ever hearing the Christmas story in a Christmas service. So in that sense, there's a totally different expectancy. They come excited. This is all new and unique. And we get to share really good news with them, which is great. It is hard to imagine hearing the Christmas story as an adult for the first time because, you know, it's, yeah, it's become so much of my experience growing up that I don't, I can't remember a time when I didn't know it. So it must just be quite incredible to suddenly realise yeah. You you believe what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the angels yeah. did what? Yeah. <laughs> we often have people around our house um, for Christmas Day and we'll we'll do the Christmas story with them. So we'll somebody will be the narrator and, and they'll read the Christmas story and then we'll appoint somebody, okay, you're the star, you're the donkey, you're this, that and the other. And we'll we'll go through it where they when they hear their part, they act out whatever it is. And for some of them, it's quite new. They're, they're thinking, oh, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Whereas for us, we would say, oh, yes, I know. I know what part the donkey plays. I know what yeah, part yeah. the star, yeah. the star <laughs> plays. 
but for them they're kind of listening oh yeah what do I do next what what's my next part okay so it's fresh. and culturally you don't put a tea towel on your no, head no not at all yeah no <laughs> so Andy if everyone is at work on Christmas day and if even the Christmas story is relatively new even to the Christians what is it you would love them to take away you know what because it's so normal you know that sorry or abnormal you understand what i mean for your children for you as a family for your church what what would be a goal of christmas because you sort of have this blank sheet of paper in which you sort of get to create what christmas is yeah it's really amazing i mean it's a great opportunity to share i think i think you know in the west we've put so much emphasis on presence but really we've put too much we've become materialistic and what we have the opportunity to hear is just to share the ultimate present gift of eternal life just love of god for us and if if people can just go away grasping that they have been given this incredible present and all they have to do is unwrap it just to get to know jesus that would be huge success in my eyes so yeah, in a sense, the gifts and the presents represent a lot. In the West, we've kind of lost a little bit of the deeper underlying meaning. Um, but yeah, it's all about you know, pointing them to Jesus and just saying, yeah, do you guys know that this is the best news ever? This is the best gift you will ever receive? I think we also like to have fun. We like to celebrate. It is a celebration. It is good news. And so there should be a lot of food and a lot of enjoyment and laughter mm-hmm. And uh, people need to come away with knowing that, yeah, there is a real joy in heaven. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Helen, could you just think about the same thing for us? Where you were serving, what would the Christmas Day experience be like for local Christians? Yeah, I think like, I think Christmas was a holiday. There was a lot Mm. of holidays where we lived, so it was a holiday. So like generally people would go to church that would be kind of the key thing they did I think one of the things though that I remember talking to some of our good Christian friends over there some people that we went to church with and they were saying we're saying oh you're going to see your family for Christmas and they're like no 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 we'll be at church on Christmas that's like our a church and our church family was like their focus on Christmas and they would maybe see their family like at another time but they're like oh no we're we'll be serving in our church on Christmas and they will be serving in their church, which was in a different city on Christmas. And that, that really struck me because mm. actually it's quite different like here because most people are, you know, we're the same. You know, we're not around at our kind of, at our home church on Christmas Day. But yes, yeah, so I suppose that was quite a, quite a contrast. And Ken, how much would the broader community understand what Christmas was? Is it right that every, everyone in the area would be on holiday for that day or, or you would have the right to take a holiday? Ah, uh, that's such a difficult question to answer. Lot, lots of people who wouldn't be Christians would have still had some influence of Christianity growing up. Lots of, lots of, lots of kids would have gone to like a, uh, a covenant school or like some Christian school growing up. So I think amongst some parts of the community the broader community, there is some understanding of what Christmas is about. It's probably fair to say that for the majority of people that aren't Christians, that they don't have that that deep understanding of how we see Christmas. 
Yeah, and I think like increasingly commercialism is like creeping in, so it's being seen as like Santa Claus and presents like that. I think we even noticed over the time we were there that that was kind of more and more a thing. Yeah, the the you know the mall, the the lighting displays, the mall got got more extravagant each year, and um, yeah, certainly commercialism was starting to creep in. So culturally, there was a, there's a more of a celebration of Christmas as a festival rather than. You know, in the church, we're, we're, we're celebrating you know, Christ come to earth, but perhaps in the, the community around, you're celebrating just, it's a it's a festival. There's there's lights up, we're giving presents. No, uh, not really. I don't, maybe some people might give each other presents. That It's not so much a festival that's celebrated widely, but it's perhaps an excuse to put on a, put on a sale. <laughs> but I don't think people, pe- you know, people don't put up Christmas trees. Yeah, yeah. Like they put up Christmas trees here in England. Yeah, people don't go out of their way to celebrate it loosely. Yeah, what's interesting, as you just mentioned, that I was thinking about here culturally, due to the Russian influence in Kazakhstan, they've kind of taken a lot of the traditions we know of Christmas and they've moved them to New Year. So we have a Father Christmas at New Year, and we have. Also, the Christmas trees and baubles and presents all sort of focused on New Year. And it's kind of the Soviet Union's response to shifting this, the focus of religion and onto just a celebration. So for us, it's strange. Christmas is gone, but the Christmas trees are still up. The hype in the community is still going. The Father Christmases are still sitting in shopping centers, but they're all aiming towards New Year. So it's quite a, a strange feeling for us, just as we go through this. For us, Christmas has been celebrated, and yet the community around us is still carrying on. It's actually quite interesting, though, because it gives us some kind of guideline as to, okay, so what is Christmas? Because if we've got the New Year trees, and we've got the baubles, and we've got the lights, and we've got everybody in the shop celebrating something, and we've got presents being given to children by the old man in the red suit. We have all that. So what's different from that that makes Christmas Christmas? So it's it's been quite a, a yardstick, I suppose, to say, okay, so these things are not Christmas. These things are just the celebration of New Year here anyway. So what is it that makes Christmas different from that? It's it's clearly not about the, the Christmas tree because they have a New Year tree, but it's not Christmas. It's clearly not about the baubles and the jolly man in the red suit because they have that too and that's not Christmas. So it's it's been really good for us to be able to distinguish between the hype of Christmas and the reason for Christmas. So you've been, it's been forced to be distinctly Christian. So I, like that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, so come on, come on Joe. So what have you learned? Tell us what is a distinctly <laughs> Christian Christmas. <laughs> So there are a lot of things that we do on the run up to Christmas to gear ourselves towards Christmas, as it were, because because everybody else is doing the shopping and the the sitting in the sleigh at the at the supermarket and that kind of thing. We tend to focus quite a lot on Advent with the kids. So rather than just there's a door, you open it, there's a chocolate, there we go, let's get on with our lives. We tend to put... I have a whole display. At the moment, we've got gift bags with a little gift in and 
I found some online, some verses for teenagers, which seeing as we're going to have one soon, we decided to put those in. And then um, I also found online the Christmas story in 24 segments, as it were. So in each of the bags, they're all hung along the along the stairway so that you can see them as you walk in the front door. So in each of the bags, we've got the Christmas story, we've got encouraging verses for teenagers, and we've got a small gift. And so we we make time together as a family every day to sit there and open the gift and read the verses. And maybe that will lead to a discussion. We have our niece staying with us at the moment as well. And she said, oh, I've been reading that in a book. And so she went off and, and brought the book out to the to the dining table. And we read the parts that she'd been reading. And it, it just leads to more discussion because we're preparing for Christmas by talking about Christ. At, at one point, we had characters of God was the Advent theme, as it were. So every day of December, we had a different character of God and then talked about how that manifests and how that's relevant to us and that kind of thing. So it was it was really good. And I think one of the discussions, which was quite fun, was uh, we just talking about the angels appearing to the shepherds and how understated the verses, you know, the, <laughs> the angels, you know, an amazing display of all these angels and the, the reaction that the shepherds had seems so understated, you know. And so these are kind of just the discussions that we had um, as a result of the verses and just Advent, the run-up to Christmas. And so, Andy and Joe, what I've what I've seen because I'm I'm one of those those Brits who's generally bad at geography and just ex, expects places that that you know are a bit a bit further east than I've perhaps understood to just be a bit dusty. So one of the things that I've learned is that Kazakhstan is an amazingly beautiful country. So you've got gorgeous mountains and high plateaus, and there must be some pretty amazing night skies. And it's wonderful. I mean, we, we live quite close to the mountains, and so we can see them from our daughter's bedroom, especially. She's got a nice view. You can see the mountains in the morning. The sun comes up after they go to school. So we go into the room and there's just this beautiful sunrise behind the mountains with snow on the top of them. It's really pretty. And it's between minus 15 and minus 20 at the moment. So it's wow. it really really feels like oh, winter. Wow. <laughs> Definitely Christmas round here. <laughs> Helen and Ken, you're no longer where you were. You're now in the north of England. Are, are there traditions, ways of doing things that you now miss that you, you know you think actually that was helpful, that was good? Yeah, I think like so. We first arrived in the country. I think actually right at the beginning of December. So we'd, we'd only been there like a month when we had our first Christmas and you know I think I had like the normal stuff of just feeling like you know I missed family and it didn't feel like Christmas and everything wasn't the same and and that was really hard because I think it was the first Christmas I'd ever spent and I was like in my early 30s like away from family so it was it was quite a hard thing but actually I think it did like really help me focus on like what the real meaning is of Christmas and you know I remember we kind of went to our church which we'd only very recently started going to on that first Christmas day and you know we were just made to feel so welcome and I think it was just such a kind of like picture of actually you know what kind of being part of like the broader church is you know and actually having you know brothers and sisters in Christ you know regardless of like where you are in the world and like not you know not being kind of so focused on the kind of 
yeah, I think I said this kind of earlier, but that kind of the nuclear family and being with them being like the main thing. So I think it was actually really striking. And I, like, we did have a couple of Christmases like back here and, you know, actually kind of other places. But I remember, you know, when we did spend Christmas again in our country, actually I really, really enjoyed it. It was just like, you know, really good to be able to kind of really like focus on you know, the, the real meaning of Christmas and just really enjoy like being with like, our new family there I think that's you know our kind of knowing that like family isn't just kind of the people that you're the family you're born into you know mm. it's a family of like believers and actually that felt really really significant and I think really struck us. Helen so it feels to me like you're telling me that you really learned that 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 Christmas wasn't an individualistic experience and that if we could learn something from the culture that you you guys have been part of that it is about that church community family and perhaps us having more of a focus on that. Am I right in that? And and what about as we the turn of the year comes, looking forward, thinking about what our priorities are? What what can you what can you tell us? Ken, come on, spur us on to something greater. I, I guess I'd, I'd just remind people, you know, in, invest in your your church family, and and see them as as your as your actual family. Spend spend time with them. Surprise them, <laughs> rock, rock up on their doorstep, and, and see if they'll let you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we can we can change the culture if we want to, right? Yeah, culture can evolve, and it's up to us as members of of a church to decide how how do we want to be. Yeah, and do we do we want to be people that um, just come home and close our doors, and then a week later go and see people and then come home again, or do we want to be people that that really live alongside our Christian brothers and sisters? And Seema's family. I can think of uh, the difference that my friend Sandy, who who came, who moved to the UK from from Asia in a student years and a stayed. I can think of the difference she has made to our our church lunches, particularly. She's she's upped our our curry game to something beautiful. She's also taught me how to cook rice properly. She was absolutely <laughs> appalled at my rice and couldn't understand why why people in the UK were so obsessed. With everything tasting of nothing, so yeah, so she 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 has brought flavour and colour and spice to my life, and it's been it's been a real blessing. So, so yeah, we we need we need. I I think yeah, I think it might be the Asians on uh, on catering in heaven. I think it really might be controversial no, statement. Yeah. Maybe Italians as well. Oh, maybe so. maybe. <laughs> Perhaps there'll be just different places you could go visit a food court. Who knows? Andy and Joe, be be bold. Um, Teach us all a lesson. Do you know if if you came back to the UK now as church leaders, what what would you have us all be doing over Christmas and New Year? You know, g- give us two headlines that you just want to lovingly get us all going with. I think for me, it's it's the caring for others. I mean, the the school that our kids go to every year does does a shoebox thing, so it's each class brings in a certain amount of toys and socks and toothpaste. And you're given this list and you're saying, OK, pick one of these things and buy five of these and we'll get five five shoeboxes per class. And then somebody goes to the village and gives them to kids there for Christmas. And it it there was a real family moment where one year we, we upped our game, as it were, and we, we took the list and it was very clinical going around choosing, OK, what toys are going to fit in the box and what socks would they like? What hats should we buy? And we decided to do it for some friends of ours as well. So we made extra shoe boxes for, for friends of ours that weren't connected to the school. And just we we 
had done it very clinically with the list, gone round the shops, and then we got home and we unpacked all this stuff onto the kitchen table. And just putting it into the boxes was was a real family moment where we just suddenly thought, yes, this this is what Christmas is about, us giving gifts to people who can't afford them or us giving gifts to others rather than shopping for ourselves, rather than shopping even for our kids, us giving to other people who are less fortunate than us is truly the the type of giving that we need to be doing at Christmas, not just the we need to give to Auntie Sarah and we need to give to Auntie this, that and the other. It's it's not just the what do our kids need for school next year that we can wrap and put under the tree. It's it's truly giving from the heart and giving to people you may not even know, giving to those who are less fortunate than you and and just the joy on our kids' faces when they were putting these toys into gift boxes and they understood that this is what we're doing. It was it was just fantastic. Really great. I love that. And I think there's something in the smaller intentional actions that we take. Christmas has become, you know, a whole show and just a lot of emphasis on the glitz and glamour and making everything look good. But actually, the small intentional things that we do, you know, it's easy to click and buy something on eBay or Amazon as a present. Do we take the time to just hand make something, which probably won't be as good as, you know, some shop making it, but it has that personal touch and you've just invested time into thinking, what would that person like? What does it mean? Uh, it's a much more meaningful gift. There is something, isn't there? Well, if you can't think of what to get somebody, <laughs> it's because they don't need anything. <laughs> Back yeah. someone else. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, you know, just the challenge in terms of to our community, are we intentional with just, you know, the the small relationships with people are we engaging are we thinking about people how are we inviting people to join us for meals are we thinking about the presence that we give it's not just the latest fad but it's actually this is something that you will love and it was very cheap but only you would understand it and get it and that just indicates the preciousness and i think those those small interactions actually have a big impact because that's what the community is about. That's what about we, we've got so much. How do we take that and pass that on rather than just keep it for ourselves? Yeah. So I, I would like to challenge people to think a little bit along those lines. Yeah. Helen, if you don't mind me pointing out, it seems you gave birth while being that missionary abroad. And it seems to me that as people think about stepping out in faith, whether it be moving to the side of the world or just... I don't know, moving to another community to plant a church 10 miles away or just moving city or, you know, taking a risk to be intentional for God. You did that as a new mum. Have you reflected on that at all? How that felt? What you made of it? What you want to take with you to the next stage of life? Yeah, I think like, obviously it was a little bit terrifying. Yeah. And there was lots of really challenging things about it. Like it was quite lonely. Like you didn't have the same, the same support network around you that we would have done here. But yeah, I think you did have to, well, you had to rely on the people that were kind of immediately available to you, you know, whether that was, yeah, kind of expat friends, you know, friends from church, but also just our neighbours and, you know, the most unexpected people. So it kind of made you have to kind of embed yourself in that culture because you kind of needed that support from those people that were around you. But I think it also just, yeah, I think it definitely did 
I feel like I was much better at like praying and you know being in my bible like when I was in that culture because I just I just needed that kind of reassurance and yeah and that kind of I was much more reliant on God than I think I, I am now it's much easier in our kind of comparatively much more like comfortable life here to rely on other things you know rely on other distractions but actually you know when you're kind of like yeah so I, I think it did it did kind of make me a lot more reliant on God yeah and I think it felt like we were I think both ways it felt like we were kind of much more aware of much more aware of God and much more kind of reliant on God but I think also much more aware of kind of you know spiritual attack and you know feeling like that you know you kind of you were in a battle and it generally felt like a battle quite a lot of the time but yeah I think it made me much more alert to kind of both sides than I am now in yeah a comparatively more comfortable existence. (laughs) Actually we had this thing where we often found that you know when we'd kind of done something that was kind of quite difficult so for example um, for a while I went and kind of read the bible uh, so we had a lady that helped us out on our house so we used to like go to her I used to go to her house to her neighborhood which was kind of a very kind of a slum type neighborhood I used to go there and like read with her and her sister and I often found that like when we came home like something that that night something like really like hard would happen like I don't know we'd get mobbed by mosquitoes or you know the power would go out or like the kids just wouldn't sleep at all and it genuinely felt like there was like this quite a physical thing that would happen often when we put ourselves in those like really difficult situations so I think it kind of yeah obviously made us it was stressful but at the same time I think it just made us you know aware that this was actually really real and that there was a real battle going on for like people's yeah for people's spiritual or for their souls or whatever better word you know really there was like a real kind of battle going on and I was much more alert to that whereas I think here it's much easier to be like oh, you know, there was an opportunity to talk to somebody and I didn't really take it, but, you know, there'll be another one. It doesn't matter. Um, whereas there, it just felt much mm. more like you were kind of in it quite physically at times. Angie and Joe, did you have a similar experience? Did you find it, you know, we all find it hard to live as Christians. Of course we do. Would you say that was a similar experience for you guys as you're trying to share the good news and be salt and light in the communities that you're part of? To me, it feels like we lurch from one catastrophe to the next, from from one major thing in our lives to the next. And he's about to have stitches out of his head tomorrow. So, uh, like, (laughs) when one thing ends, another comes up. Standard family life, it sounds like, but maybe ramp it up. Yeah, I mean, I think we really, being here, we have experienced more of the, the spiritual nature of things that is going on here. I think what we have also been surprised with is just the openness. I'm not sure if, if, you know, in the UK we become a lot more closed to spiritual discussions. But here people are less concerned about it. They're more willing to engage. You know, you can have a, you can ask them what their religion is and they'll talk about it and they'll talk about the pluses and minuses and the culture and all that thrown into it. I think it it just seems a lot more real to me that we can have an open, honest discussion about these things. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot more aggressiveness to Christians here. I mean, some of the people, friends of ours, have been actually threatened. Their life has been threatened or they've been kicked out of the family because they've come to faith. Mm-hmm. So it is a big cost for them to become a Christian here. But in general... Yeah, there's a a spiritual awareness, which is great, that you can talk about these things and you can share them and you can, 
share what God has done in your life. Um, so that's been fantastic. In areas where the gospel is not supposed to be being shared, and yet we have such freedom currently, and yet such apathy that, you know, there are those moments that you think God maybe really does know what he's doing. Yeah, and I think I think there's a sense to just bring it back to being real about these things, that we don't have to know all the answers and have the gospel story beautifully presented and we can't share until that happens. No, let's just share about what God is doing in our lives, what Jesus means to us. And yeah, when we have a difficult question, let's just you know, be open and honest with them and say, yeah, we're still struggling with that. Let's talk. Let's keep talking. So you guys are the missionaries that came and did the presentations at the church, that, like the church I grew up in, that, you know, you gave us things to try, you told us about your culture, and you were like, wow, this other level of Christian that we could never possibly hope to be, because you're like, you know, on the top tier, like one down from the disciples or something, because you're bravely sharing Christ. And actually what you've just said, Andy, makes it sound incredibly normal, just telling you what what it is like to have faith and to have questions and to trust Jesus that like wow I feel like I could do that that's amazing (laughs) it's just normal relationships it's just it's just taking your relationships to a deeper level rather than just the surface stuff and the reality is that all the missionaries who go around the world while it might sound brave and romantic or whatever but it's it's really we're the same people we make the same mistakes we don't get super knowledge when we travel across the border we make yeah all the same mistakes everybody's making everywhere you're just um, living for jesus with nicer food and prettier fabric is, is <laughs> and nicer sunsets <laughs> <laughs> Ken, I'd love to hear, I mean, you you're, you must find yourself doing that presentation now to churches where you are the super disciples with a special knowledge. Uh, how, how do you help people decide, Ken, if they should go, if they should take the risk for the Lord? I think we've got an, an aversion to risk and we've got an aversion to failure. And I, I guess what I'd say to people is that risk is right. It's a name of a book by John Piper, which I think was quite pivotal in, in shaping our, our thinking and our, our, our thought process about moving overseas. I'd say to people, look, if you think that, that God's calling you overseas, just go, figure it out. Don't, don't be afraid of making mistakes. After all, isn't it a gospel of grace that we're sharing with people? Let's have some grace for ourselves. Is it, is it a bit scary? Yeah, but you'll have a great time in doing it and, and you'll grow a lot in, in your faith and you'll, you'll, you at least will be a better person for it. And hopefully you might have a chance to, to share the gospel with someone as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, leading on from that, actually you get enriched by that experience as well. Mm. I think when you see that God has created all these different cultures with unique elements that just blow your mind, it's really exciting that your walk with God gets strengthened as you do that. And, you know, as we talk about Christmas, the differences in celebrations that actually cultures celebrate them differently and there's different emphases. And yeah, it just challenges your view, but you grow through that experience, which is really exciting. So I think as families, this is the time of the year when we look at the, the new year coming and, and like we want to we wanna shake stuff up and we want to make commitments for like things that we're going to do differently and ways we're going to commit to the gospel and stuff in the years ahead. So I think this is an opportunity for us to ride that wave and with our own families to find out like who 
Who are the the missionary families that our churches are supporting? Like, do we know about them? Do we know what they need? And if they aren't supporting anybody, well, is that because we're supposed to be the ones that are going or should we be nagging somebody? And how could we commit as families to praying for people, to being a sort of missional family in, in our own communities? Tell us ways that we could encourage families serving overseas in the year, years ahead. Andy and Joe, you start. <laughs> I think one of the things that people think is that it's hard to do. So they think, oh, I need to I need to get a box with salt and vinegar crisps and goodies from the UK and I need to send that, but I don't know what their address is and I don't know how to, when am I going to get to the post office? But actually it's it's about WhatsApp and Signal and emailing. And if if you can just start a short conversation with somebody then you get the back and forth that means that you're in their lives and you understand what they're doing at any one time. There are friends of ours from the UK who, because they WhatsApp and say, hey, how are you doing? Then they get the blow by blow. They get the, oh, well, Andy's just cracked his head open and this kind of thing. Um, and then then there are the ones that, that will maybe do something once a year and then go, oh, I'm so rubbish at contacting you. And, and they then won't contact us for another year. But it's it's the little bits that mean that you're in that person's life that means you will get the what are the prayer needs just from conversation, from relationship, rather than it needing to be a grand gesture. I'm going to support this missionary family and this is what I commit to. And that suddenly makes you more real, doesn't it? You know, if Andy's cotton his head open and needs prayer for that, like we, we all know how to pray for that. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. <laughs> I, I think there's, there's something that... Also, the experience of going and visiting, you know, a lot of these places, they might sound scary, but actually when you land on the ground, like we feel Kazakhstan is actually safer than the UK, you know, so when, if it's possible, I know it costs a lot of money to travel, especially as a family, but to actually, if we're looking at New Year's resolutions, what does it mean maybe to the family to go somewhere and experience just what does another culture do what how do they live what is it like and that can really transform the thinking of of the particularly the kids and as the family debriefs mm -hmm. it or talks about it can be quite an amazing experience i'm very grateful thank you very much for joining us both from the north of england as well as kazakhstan thank you for your wisdom from various parts of Asia, I do I do leave most struck by the call to take less notice of social awkwardness of sharing the gospel this Christmas and into the new year. And we've heard it here first. There's no such thing as a super disciple. Take a risk, trust Jesus, and uh, spiritual attack is a real thing. Thank you very much for that. Andy, I wonder, could you just pray for us as we finish, maybe find a prayer for our listeners, wherever they may be? Great, let's pray. So Father God, we do just thank you uh, that we can gather together. We thank you that we have this incredible gift of eternal life, of your love for us, of Jesus coming to this earth. And as we celebrate it and as we look forward to the year ahead, we just pray that you'll help us to be just intentional with the small things that we have, with the relationships, with the people around us. Just what does it mean to be genuine and real to care for each other, to love each other as Christ has loved us. Father, we do yeah, just pray that you'll help us in amongst the chaos, the family life, the busyness, the transporting kids to and from school and activities, just to take some time out 
just to sit together to talk about what really matters. And so, Father, as we head towards that, yeah, we just pray that you'll be with us. Give us guidance as to how to do it with our families in each of our unique situations. And we do thank you that we do have this amazing goodness that we can share with those around us and help us just to be that encouragement and love to those around us. We pray this in Jesus' Christ's name. Amen. 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 May 2023 be a blessed time for you all. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Goodbye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. <laughs>